Cave. I'm Anthony. And that's Conrad. Say hi to the people, Conrad. Oh, I see. We discussed the fact that I didn't get to say hello last week, and I've, I've gone early this time. I'm, yeah, no, I've you actually... know... Yeah, you know what it is. Like, I've, I've, I'm so used to uh, just doing videos on my own, and you are as well, because it's been a while since we've actually done a proper podcast like this. Um, yeah, that we're just we're a little off. We're a little off, Conrad. But you know what? We'll get the timing back. We'll, we'll get, get we'll it. Get, back. Yeah, we'll get it back. Ring Ross. There's a bit of the old magic left in the podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, ju- judging by the the response last week uh, from from you, the viewers, we are very, very humbled by the response. We couldn't believe when yeah. we started at 1899 that you should all come flooding back because I think we all enjoyed a lovely journey with Dark and it's great to see so many people wanted to come back for more. Um, also, uh, I will say thank you very much to the new listeners who've come along. Uh, if this is the first time you've ever listened to the podcast, we did do one for Dark, we did one for the OA and also for Westworld. I heard there's a season four. Let's just leave yeah. it there. Um, yeah, yeah. They, well, there was a season four, and then they abruptly cancelled it. And and if that's not a sign from God that we don't have to do season four of Westworld, then I don't know what it is, quite frankly. Yeah, exactly. Uh, right, okay, we're trying to be brief in these intros, but I just want to very quickly say, Conrad, you've you've divided the audience with the hair. Um, oh, half, yeah, I saw one. I saw one comment. I was half like, half like, the audience is saying, great hair, love the hair. And the other half of the audience is saying, get a haircut, Conrad. Now, let me say this get to a- you. We are a long hair. We are a long hair podcast here. I have long hair as well. If you don't yeah. like it, you can just mosey on down the road. Go and, go, and watch, go and watch Pete Peppers. Go and watch someone else who's covering 1899 because they're not going to have the depth. They're not going to have the friendship that Conrad and I have. You know what? If you don't like long hair, yeah, get out of here. They're not going to have the luscious locks that yeah. you're going to see in this podcast. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah, these are my these are my uh, COVID. This is my COVID hair that's just carried on past COVID. I mean, it looks now. great, Conrad. You know, I want to I want to affirm the fact that that hair is fantastic. You look great. You do you. All right, you do you. Um, right. And with that hair swish, we'll jump into the pre-recorded Conrad's pre thoughts. Uh, hello, and welcome to another exciting edition of this here video series where we go through 1899. This is me, Conrad, before I've seen um, episode two of season one. Uh, to recap what I said last week, or what I think I said last week, I talked about facial scarring. I'm not going to get too much into that now because that might just be like a metaphorical thing or a, a way of denoting class or or, or some kind of... Um, you know, so like literal scars to represent emotional ones or something like that. Um, and I mentioned not really knowing what was going to come in the next episode. I think having had a week now to reflect on it, I'm going to say it seems like it's probably likely that we're going to see a lot more of Wet Man, potentially Henry, in this episode. Uh, he, he stowed away or he, he, he snuck on board. Um, last episode so I think it'd be crazy to not see more of him in this episode I think we will who do I think is going to get developed I'm going to say Jerome and Oleg are going to get some more development in this episode I don't know why I just feel like there's gonna there's they're, they're gonna like kind of fill in the fill in some of the blanks on some of their supporting cast and those two seem like viable contenders for that so I think we'll see some more of that and I think we're gonna see some more of the real world, the 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 world above this like memory inception thing that's going on, where um, Anton Lesser is carrying out all kinds of nefarious deeds. I think we're maybe gonna see 
someone wake up um, and see more of that? I don't know. But I feel like I want to see more of that because that seems like a really big plot point. So, uh, yeah, let's get into the episode and see what I thought of it. Hey, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You. Do you like 1899? Well, as well as these breakdown videos, we also do theories, unanswered questions, and plenty more. Subscribe so you don't miss it. The episode opens with Ike's family. (laughs) Not having a good time, Conrad. No. I think that's fair to say. They are... A little getting a little hot under the collar. Oh, hot everywhere, actually. Because you might say, okay, well, yes, yeah, that hot first under the collar, or really under the feet, actually, based on where the fire starts, and then hot mm. everywhere else as they burn to death horrifically. And Did you predict it, Conrad? Did you predict it? What that they would burn? <laughs> yeah. Or just in? <laughs> I mean. I, I had an inkling in the back of my head that Andreas Peachman was uh, was a character who was harboring some some baggage. Let's yeah, say, yeah. Uh, <laughs> like you you don't look at a man like that with his drinking habit and think he's doing fine. <laughs> like he <laughs> like he 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 had some problems. Yeah. So um, yeah, this opening is I I <laughs> I wrote down. I'm not going to keep doing this, listeners. I promise I'm not going to keep doing this. But I did write down as soon as we found ourselves in the forest. I was like, I wonder if that's the same forest they shot dark in. Um, <laughs> but, but based on nothing, based on absolutely nothing. Um, but yeah, we get a, a child singing an eerie German folk song, which keeps returning throughout the episode. Mm-hmm. I did note that, although I will admit my uh, my comprehension of German is very remedial. In this uh, this verse that is sung here, which wasn't subtitled, so I just mm-hmm. kind of had to pick out bits. It's something about like no men can help, and a hunter shooting something is what they're talking about, which sounds like the ma- it has the makings of a nursery rhyme. That you know, there's always hunters doing stuff, <laughs> yeah. killing wolves and whatever. Cried wolf. So that that sounds yeah, exactly. So that sounds like a traditional nursery rhyme. And I did note maybe it's got more than one verse. But I did note that later in the episode, mm-hmm. when this comes back and we do get it subtitled, the subtitles are talking about something completely else and something completely different that is much more like thematically in keeping with the show. Yeah, you, so I yeah. wonder if, if they like wrote a second verse or something for for the bit that we do hear the lyrics to. Well, I think you know, yeah, I, I think that uh, is a German, I don't know, folk song, nursery song. I don't really, yeah, I don't really nursery rhyme. I don't really know much about it to be honest with you, but I do know. That uh, I don't even know if you're aware of this, Conrad, but the first two episodes of 1899 actually aired at the Toronto Film Festival. Um, so oh, after they aired, that was back in September. So after they aired at the Toronto Film Festival, um, there was like a load of people posting like no spoiler uh, spoilers of this song. And apparently, this I think this song is probably something that a lot of Germans know. You know? Um, yeah. So I, I, I again, I didn't even know. Do, do you, when you first heard this in the forest, were you translating this from your own German ability? Yeah, yeah. So that's where right, like okay. I, I, this might be completely Full wrong, faith. but I heard Full like faith, something something about Jaegers and Schiessen, which is like hunters shooting stuff, and and like I think I heard something about no man can help. Um, so that was that was me just kind of picking out what I could hear. Um, okay. And then obviously much later in the episode, we do get uh, Nina's. We we get in the subtitles what Nina's actually saying, which is completely different. So I I do think that maybe they wrote a second verse for it or something. That that also it might just have two verses. Like, I mean, it could do. If it's a, if it's a nursery it rhyme, I know what you mean. It usually nursery rhymes don't usually have more than yeah. one. A second verse. But if it's a, a little folk rhyme, song, it's preposterous. If it's a little folk song. 
that's that's the uh, that's that's what it might be because I, I seem to remember now I don't know why I'm spoiling this for you it's not really spoiling but uh, the, the 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 song that the people were, were like linking that this is I think was like two minutes long so um, it might actually oh okay it might it might it might have something to do with that so anyway yeah how uh, house burns uh, family burns from within Mike uh, mm. clearly not not happy about that. Um, no, sort we of, see the band, the the the, the ribbon yes. rather that um, that Ike found on the Prometheus. Um, with his, oh yeah, it's, which, with his uh, daughter's, it's in his daughter's hair. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's in Nina's hair. Uh, which it doesn't make a lot of sense why that's on the Prometheus, <laughs> like based on yeah, yeah. based on what we've seen here. Uh, to be honest, so uh, yeah, further fuel for the speculative fire if you'll forgive the pun that's a good point actually because what on earth was it doing on that prometheus um all- exactly almost as if it wasn't real yeah. but you know who can say who can say exactly so okay so then uh mora uh well i'm i'm assuming i'm just i don't assume conrad's an idiot on this podcast folks so uh you might you might view mistake. me as leading him leading him down the road here i usually try not to but mora says wake up and then yes. ike wakes up i think you probably so- put together that was mora Unless yeah, he actually so had I the have... dub on again. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, some random American woman this time. Actually, no, Mora is just spoken... In, it, like, it's the same actress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so he's told to wake up by Mora, which is interesting because that is the same thing her dad said to her in the first episode mm-hmm. that woke her from her stupor. So, stupor, yeah. Stu- yeah, her slumber, let's say. Um, which implies... I, I don't know how I, I still haven't like fully wrapped my head around the whole like dream scape thing that's going on here but I'm I'm fairly certain as is kind of as is expanded on in this episode that there there must be some kind of like dreaming or memory uh, like exploration going on mm-hmm. here because of the different levels of like reality I guess that we see yeah and the fact that Mora is the one telling Ike to wake up makes me wonder whether we're doing a thing where like Ike is in his own dream that exists within Mora's dream that exists inside the the overworld where Mora's dad is up to no good. Uh, I don't like I've not got a huge amount of evidence to support that, <laughs> but it just seems odd to me that it's Mora's voice telling him to wake up when it was uh, her dad, who we, who we know to be like complicit in whatever weird experiment he's doing, yep. uh, who told Mora to wake up in the first episode. Yeah. Uh, okay. Cool. Uh, one thing I was go- I was going to say as well it, here is um, the speculation you're having in terms of who's telling everyone to wake up there. I mean, it, it's it's not really any problem to say this. Whenever I first watched this episode, um, my immediate thought was when that happened. Uh, oh, does that mean we're going to get like, you know, like this is like Ike's episode? And then I assumed, now I'm not going to mm-hmm. tell you what actually happens, but what I assumed when I first heard it was that Ike was going to tell whoever the next person's episode was to wake up in the next one. You know what I mean? It was going to be yeah. like a pass I mean, the baton. Yeah. That this, like, yeah, this kind of daisy chaining of people telling everyone else to wake up. Yeah. Um, That's what I assumed. Yeah. That's what I, like, when I first heard that, I was like, oh, very nice, very nice. Um, also, you know, the, the, I know you're going to keep mentioning dreamscapes and all that sort of thing. We all, listen, anyone listening to this podcast, most of us anyway, have probably seen it before. There was one person in the comments said they were being a Conrad. I couldn't believe that. After all this time, there's still someone who's chugging away the Conrad train. Oh, I, I respect him. Come judge, come on in. The water's fine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, I will say that um, most people uh, listen to the podcast have already seen the show, so therefore... Um, they understand that when you're telling people to wake up and stuff, and you know there does seem to be something going on in terms of sleeping. If, you, if, you, if the main thing of your show is to tell people to wake up, 
You know, you don't have to yeah. you don't have to explain to us every time why you think that you think in that 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 way. You know what I mean? So anyway, yeah, he does wake up. Um, he does. He's startled. He go obviously he's had yeah. he's, he's had a nightmare about his uh, his family burning. He goes over and uh, tries to drink, but his uh, little flask is empty. He grabs the bottle. He uh, starts chugging it down, and then a knock on the door from Conor McGregor. Uh, now you were, <laughs> yeah, you were. Uh, I did, I, I did see the comment from uh, from Vic, 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 Vic Disco yeah. saying he's more like Conor McGregor. I will accept that. Um, <laughs> I, I've I've mixed and matched Conor McGregor with Beard Simon Pegg in this in this the notes for this episode yeah, to yeah. keep things uh, keep things fresh. I mean, he does look like Conor. Let's be honest with you. He does. Um, yeah. So he gives him a, a little message that has apparently come from the company, which says "sink ship." A very vague telegram, I think. <laughs> a worryingly vague telegram. I know that you know it's probably difficult to send long messages that cut that kind of distance, but you know when there's two ships in play. You should probably specify which one you mean. <laughs> like, <laughs> just immediately like, start what hacking would happen at the <laughs> Yeah, what would happen if he was just like, well, company's orders. Yeah. <laughs> and just like goes to the bottom of the Kerberos <laughs> and takes out the big plug at the bottom of the ship or whatever. <laughs> yeah, go and get the fellows from the Titanic. Come on, lads. Play us out. Just stand at the edge. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that would be great. That would be great. That's the end of the show. Um, and then yeah. the rest of it is just uh, just... You know, just plays out until the till the credits. All right, so the compasses are all messed up as well. This is a mm. now as we go through this show, um, one of the one of the um, so I suppose criticisms of the show. Now the show has been very positively positively received as well as that. It's also it was also like non, number one on Netflix for the TV shows for like at least a week. So we're looking like season two and three oh, nice. are, are looking hopeful at the minute. But I will say to you, uh, one of the criticisms I have seen around. I'm not saying I agree with it is that the show does have some tropes, okay? So a trope here, I suppose, first one I would see, is if uh, Trixie business is going on, that means the, the compasses don't work. Uh, that's that's yeah. a very big trope in, in a sort of a uh, mysterious uh, type type show, you know? Yeah, that's, that's definitely true. But I mean, it's a trope in service of like mood building, yeah. I think. Like, uh, unless... I guess maybe like because they're they're where where they're heading by the end of this episode. I suppose it's possible that it develops into oh no, we're lost at sea because the compass is screwed up, and it becomes like a plot point rather than just something to emphasize how weird the situation is. As if it's not already obvious with a ship that has clearly risen from the bottom of the sea for some reason. But um, <laughs> yeah, it didn't bother me too much. I, and like to be honest, like when I first saw it, I I was more busy thinking is the implication that this that they've only just noticed this now or has it happened after bringing aboard the two people from the prometheus that was that's kind of what i st- like because it seems like the kind of well, thing they brought aboard one of pretty- them are you assuming the the guy who is like the sort of the, the, the wet man uh, yeah daniel so so uh, he he came like- aboard he wasn't brought aboard well yeah i mean you know like he, but two people have come <laughs> aboard from, from specificity from, conrad that's what the people one want. would leave one would not one, like, uh, one would not one without um but yeah two people from the prometheus have come aboard and i i feel like the crew would probably notice if the compass started going nuts yeah mm-hmm. uh fairly quickly so i guess the implication unless i've misunderstood it is that it's only just started happening now which um well yeah because it seems odd there would always time. be people on the bridge i suppose as well as that um you know my wife Emma said to me one time, which was really interesting, was there's a there's a language to film, 
and sometimes filmmakers do something because it puts the it puts the viewer in a certain mood so you are right that yeah. this this compass is going mad does put the viewer in the mood of okay they're, they're sort of they're, they're up the creek without a paddle here they they need a sort of they've no way to get out at the minute they're sort of stuck and that puts you in that mood straight away it's a bit like um the way what Ema said one time was even before his uh, historically it would have been uh you know white wedding dresses traditionally in films they still put white on the on the bride in like in like yeah. medieval yeah. times and stuff because the audience knows straight away it's a wedding so it's maybe, yeah, maybe exactly. something it's like part that. of the visual language yeah the visual language of film uh <laughs> you know we all know about it about here uh, okay so um that's that's good that's good uh we get the title card the boy um it's called the boy. the boy we'll focus on the boy now they're sort of doing um a sort of i suppose a little friends thing you know like the the, the type of shows which have the same like sort of uh in like the one with this one's like it's the ship and then it's the boy they're doing everything's yeah. the um friend friends didn't invent that let's be honest but it is what, what, what no. my mind went to uh someone can someone recut the opening to 1899 with with the the rembrandt's <laughs> theme song uh, oh it could be mates Just, you know ship mates <laughs> that'd be yeah that'd be great i remember it have but we need to get like set photos of uh of like the cast looking happy because no one ever looks happy in this show yeah, yeah, yeah. not so far that. anyway except for clemence in that very small moment have that as like the, the main the main thing you know yeah in that's the, the only episode. thing <laughs> i just keep repeating that over and over again pretty sure there was an australian skit called mates back in the day but i can't remember even what it was on but anyway so uh mora is snooping around in the boys possessions um yes goes over and opens his little bag or even in his jacket i think jacket finds yes. a ring and then also looks at the tr- the uh, pyramid as well and to top it all off um kind of feels like he knew it was happening the whole time because when she leaves he opens his eyes yeah i still think that they should have killed this monster this monstrous <laughs> child um the ring is interesting because i believe i mean i don't know for a fact but in the previous episode mora had a a flash like a precognition or a recognition or whatever it was of a hand with a with a what looked like a wedding band mm-hmm. on the ring finger um and now she finds what i presume is it because why would you set up oh there's a hand with a ring on it and then have a completely unrelated ring in the next episode yeah, yeah. so uh i presume it like it's the same ring and she finds it in this boy's possession now to me from what I gl- like, I gleaned. I didn't pause on that shot in the first episode, so maybe I'm completely wrong about this. But it looked like an adult's hands to me. It didn't look like a child's hand wearing it. Uh, which, although I have, I'm just going to refer back to my theory matrix for a second. Yeah. So I, I'm I'm not sure about my theory from the first episode that the boy who came aboard the like the boy capitalized and <laughs> uh, and Daniel are the same person. I'm I'm starting to waver a bit on that, but. If it is indeed, if it was indeed shown on an adult's hand, I guess maybe that lends a bit of credibility to that. Because if it's an adult's ring, um, then then uh, I guess they're implying that the adult who will wear this ring is also involved with Mora in some way at the moment. Mm, okay, all right, um, interesting. Uh, oh, the whistling as well. That's the one thing I wanted oh, to mention. Yeah, Keeps coming back in this episode. Yeah, but it's like subtitled, so I think it's supposed to be happening, and I guess it's potentially just um you know in practical terms it's probably a member of the crew whistling because there's fog and they're trying to draw attention to themselves in case something comes and like hears them or, or collides with them i guess that's what that whistle is for i'm not a, i'm not a naval officer i don't know these things what are the subtitles saying would... it's like you know square brackets whistling sort of thing for like a, yeah it's, it's like a high-pitched whistling or something oh I think interesting it says. okay 
Um, I, but, I read I mean, that as a part lot of. Them. I read that when I first heard it as part of the score. You know what I mean? Maybe uh, was, actually now I think about it, maybe it is. But maybe but the it, way like, but the way it was subtitled is quite strange, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I I read it as diegetic, like as it's happening in the yeah, yeah. in what we're seeing, um, or wouldn't be diegetic because it's not actually produced on set. But like, um, I read it as like in world the noise is happening, yeah, yeah. but it's very very um, very. Uh, kind of poignantly only used at moments of tension that seem to involve this boy in some way but it's a really cool way of very much like how they've done in other shows where each character has like a theme it seems like they're they're mm-hmm. playing around with different sounds to tell you who is kind of the focus of a scene yeah yeah, yeah it's really cool and that, that's something that has that has great success in the past i whenever i think about that's that style of score uh, with like you know a character theme which always is present. I always think I always think about the Joker in the Dark Knight. You know the long cello note. I think it is. Uh, it's really really yeah. cool. Uh, okay, so then we're in the engine room. They've got a questioning of Olek. Uh, what's going on yeah. on that boat? Then we have a really these two like sort of Laurel and Hardy type comedy figures. double act. This is yeah. what we've got. <laughs> this is like this is literally one of the only pieces of levity in the whole show. Yeah, it is. I feel like that's why it's here because yeah. it's just like a little palate cleanser to be like. We know you've probably watched two episodes back to back because you know you're a fan of this show, so you're not going to watch one and stop unless you're in my position. So they're like, here's a little, here's a little bit of a little bit of comedy for, yeah, yeah, yeah. for everyone. A little bit of comedy. Talking about wolves. Yeah, like so they were talking about what would kill a thousand people, maybe wolves. Uh, yeah, and then they're like, maybe one big wolf. And then yeah. maybe the boy is a wolf. <laughs> it really, yeah, I mean, it really I'm, goes I'm, downhill I'm, very quickly. <laughs> I've already, I've already stated my skepticism of that young boy. So you know, like, I'm sure there's a double meaning in him being referred to as a big wolf. <laughs> the big wolf. I think he should be treated as a wolf would and thrown overboard for the sea to claim. Oh my god, what's that big wolf from from mythology called? Fenrir, Fenrir, I think, yeah, is the Norse one. Right? Yeah, yeah, when I first watched this and they were talking about a big wolf, I was like, Fenrir, Fenrir. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll get, yeah, we'll get the Midgard song or whatever it's called, like the worm that circles the, uh, encircles the word. I mean, that, world, that'd be fantastic. Um, all right, so uh, Ike comes down, basically gives all like a little task to do, wants him to find out how much coal they've got. So Ike seems to be on the precipice of making a big decision here, and we'll find out by the end of the mm. episode what exactly that decision is. But he wants to know how much power they've got, basically. Yeah, how much juice how much is juice. left in the tank? Yeah, how much juice? Um, yeah. Okay, so Ike and Mora uh, now. So Mora is walking through the corridor. Ike comes across her um, and then starts asking her things like, did you experience something strange? <laughs> yeah, I love that question. Like, did you experience anything strange <laughs> aboard the previously sunken ship that has risen from the depths <laughs> where we found a creepy ghost boy barred inside a cupboard with a black pyramid in his possession. Anything strange at all, Maura? <laughs> like, She's like, no. <laughs> no, totally normal. Yeah, t- <laughs> totally, totally. Like, what do you expect him to say, Ike? Like, uh, the whole thing was weird. <laughs> like, it doesn't... You're going to have to be more specific. Right, so then, then he starts hearing the song again. Oh, he actually, what he, he yes. actually tells her that he's... um heard and seen his family and then um yes. and then he hears the song again and he sort of just walks off and uh he, Maura can't hear it is an interesting thing so only he can hear it and he yeah i think it, it's 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 funny that you mentioned that yeah because she can't hear it mm. and it's also the the very obvious solution to the problem of ike seemingly starting to feel like he's maybe going insane is later. I won't go into it too much now, but obviously later in the episode, he finds a literal um, 
not tunnel. I guess it is a tunnel. I, I've, I felt like there was a different word for like a vertical tunnel, a shaft. I guess shaft. You call yeah, it. yeah. Um, he finds like a shaft to you know somewhere else. Um, that we'll get into later, and he doesn't show that to anyone. Which I was like, okay, if that was actually real <laughs> and practically there, you just be like, look at the f- hole in the floor with the bricks. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm not going mad. Yeah, so, there's bricks yeah. in this boat. Um, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, maybe he should have shown someone that if it is real. Uh, that does lend. Well, I think yeah, I think the fact he didn't is like okay. All yeah. right, I understand what we're doing here. Uh, okay, so um, there's a few little very short bits here. One is the f- the Danish family starts to pray. Talking about for, uh, you know protecting us from evil and stuff, and then it yeah. uh, while they're saying that um, the it sort of overdubs uh, a scene of Angel and Ramiro. Um, yes, cuts to Ramiro sleeping when talking about falseness in the world, which yeah. is if if you, I think if you didn't pick up that Ramiro isn't the priest that he is dressed as in the first episode, and this is them kind of beating you over the head with it and saying he's lying, yeah. he's not a priest. Yeah, yeah. It also, I think it also. Uh, you're exactly right. But also, whenever it like focuses, whenever on the uh, the crucifix itself and the rosary beads, mm. um, it sort of implies to me as well that some sort of comment that like you know, um, there's like different factions of Christianity here, and like you know, it's sort of implying themes of uh, themes of uh, you know different people interpret things in different ways for me as well. Uh, yeah, I think that's probably there's probably some truth to that. I would assume. At this point, I don't actually know what the sort of Catholic population in uh, in Denmark is like, but I would assume it's more Protestant, given it's like northern northern yeah. Europe, as opposed to you know the the Iberian Peninsula where Catholicism is much more popular. So yeah, there's different sort of um, sections of Christianity who potentially don't agree with each other on a lot. Yeah, yeah. I, well, obviously, according to this show, um, 100% Danish people are, are Protestants. But anyway, um, so then. We get a name for the very wet. I'm gonna say it, Welshman, because uh, there is a little twang there, Connor. I don't know if he picked it up. He's got a little. I actually didn't notice that. I yeah. was I was expecting him to be French, if I'm honest, because he played. I'm fairly sure it was this actor played a French character in uh, 1917. Um, oh really? Was, uh, I think he might have he been was that. Yeah. The French. He was he was like the French guy who is oh, okay. with them the whole time and then gets left behind in a pretty heavy-handed metaphor from uh, from Christopher Nolan. Yeah. Uh, but uh, no, we, Christopher uh, Nolan no, wait, didn't not do 1917. That. Dunkirk's one. Yeah, Dunk, Dunkirk. I was getting yes, that. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Um, I was like, he but, wasn't. Uh, yeah, he so wasn't he, that. <laughs> no, but he he played. Um, yeah, he played a French character in that. I assume, and because he he doesn't, he barely speaks. I assumed he was French, and then he starts speaking in this, and I was like, wait, wait a second. I had to, re- I had to like reconfigure my brain to be like, no, that's not French. What are we dealing with? Here? You got the dub I on. Think you got the Welsh. dub on again. Uh, no. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so you know, he's he's actually Welsh, and to be honest with you, he's he's got he's got a Welsh accent, which is quite subtle. And then every now and then, he mm. it's a little bit of that velvety Welsh comes out. You know, a bit of the Tom Jones. Yeah. You know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> reminds me of those. Mama <laughs> told me not to come. That's what, <laughs> that's, what, that's what we're gonna we're gonna get from Daniel in the next episode. Hopefully, I mean, he's trying to get more his attention, isn't he? And and. Yeah, he doesn't seem to be able to. So next, I imagine next episode he's just going to be standing in the corner going, "Spy on me, baby." You, <laughs> he'll get her. He'll get her. Um, so anyway, so he's trying to get into Moore's room here, um, and then she sort of sees mm. him, uh, and he's like, "Oh, I heard uh, heard some rustling around in there." Um, and then she's like, "Ask, have we met before?" She seems to recognize him potentially. Um, mm. You look familiar, and then he says, "I don't think so." So. I think the I think the answer to that is probably yes, but not <laughs> at this point. Like I, I think um, 
if my you know my if my theory about this being some kind of cyclical memory experiment is true i'm sure she has well i mean i i think based on ike being told to wake up in this episode um and also what he's being subjected to or seeing in this episode i think he's experiencing the same kind of thought experiment or memory thing as 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 mora and i think daniel probably is as well though maybe he is taking a more active role in it i've got some thoughts on this a bit later okay. uh, to do with daniel and mrs wilson um mm. as as maybe people who are within this memory experiment but who are who are conscious that they are in it and are playing parts to uh make certain things happen to to uh, move events along or something like that but i, I feel like Daniel and Daniel and Moira. I mean, Daniel obviously knows Moira. Like it, it couldn't be more obvious. Uh, well, actually, no, that's not true. It could be more obvious, and it gets more obvious later in this episode. <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, what about the fact that he was trying obvious. to get into a room? Uh, that's fine. Do you think he knows? Also, <laughs> does he know the boys there? Yes, I mean, he looks the he like the eyes that he makes at the boy. The boy's like sat up as the door closes, and they might as well fucking wink at each other for how much. <laughs> like, for, but the thing that I don't fully understand, and maybe this is me me I'm misunderstanding actually like the function of it, but he's got his like deployable lock picking beetle, and I don't know why he didn't use it on that door because he's used it everywhere else that he's needed to get through. That's true, actually. Is there more than one beetle? Is my question because at this stage in the show I was like, but hang on, he uses the beetle, so he uses the beetle. Uh, to get into his room or you know what turns into yeah. his room but then and we also were told that not all the rooms are full in this episode so that sort of explains why he yeah. didn't walk in on someone in the bath or something but then uh but also on the prometheus the beetle was leading them to uh the boy so yeah it's... that's a good point i i went back and forth on that like with the with the ava stuff that happens a bit later i was like is this the same beetle that we've just seen and then it became very obvious that it was but i think there probably must be more than one because the one on the prometheus was definitely not the same as the one that daniel was using to get into his room at the end of the last episode hmm. unless you unless it's very fast yeah it's very well it does kind of uh hint towards your theory that they're the same person though because it means that it well, he that carried part of carried it, yeah. the beetle with him for uh for years the, dub- the double beetles yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the same beetle yeah um it's like a it's, it's like a toy story situation that's going on <laughs> with that boy and that beetle uh, uh, right I'm where you left looking him. Looking forward to the the Randy Newman montage that's going to come up in the show a little bit. From later. the bottom of my heart. Right. Okay. Um, Mora and the boy in the room. Uh, now, I haven't actually, to be honest with you, given much thought to the symbolism of her offering him an apple. Um, yeah. Yeah. Anytime you've got sort of some sort of like sort of religion slash mythology being referenced to and then there's an apple very clearly offered to someone my my synapses start start blinking away there to be honest with you haven't i haven't actually given too much thought to that yet but anyway she offers him an apple um he yeah. gets the pyramid and gives it to mora again um yeah refusing to talk very very pointedly he's like i, I can't answer questions i'm just gonna hand you this pyramid again yeah and hopefully you'll figure it out at some point as if it's obvious what the solution is i'm sure it will be at some point in the future but right now it's like what are you doing what do you want me to do with this yeah yeah exactly and we have the high-pitched tone again as well yes um yeah what else oh actually so one thing i did notice in this scene which i thought i'd mention now um this was the really big like undermining of um 
undermining of the Daniel and and boy are the same person theory uh, okay. was that they don't have the same eye color, which has hasn't been an issue before for in redacted, Barbara redacted, 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've mentioned that in the video but, um, already. Actually, about that because uh, there was two characters in Dark who put, one played the older version of another, and they had different color eyes. Uh, now yeah. we have many theories in our old podcast about why that may be. It all comes down <laughs> yeah. to, of course, just casting. But at the same time, we have a lot of great theories. Just so check it out. Yeah. So it's yeah, it wasn't an issue then, and I'm not. I'm not going to let it deter me now. <laughs> I'm gonna, you know whatever we'll figure it out you know they've he's been underwater or something i don't know what he's been up to <laughs> like he's changed his eye colors because he was in the sea for so long or something i mean I'll, I'll go with it uh i think so the boy has what color eyes his are like really like blue or gray they're very they're very like yeah. light colored and then daniel has like dark brown eyes like babies like, baby's eyes can change in the first like few months of life so are we gonna yeah. say that this boy is only two months old yeah, he's a baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Babies are born with hair. He's just a really big baby. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, hundred yeah, yeah. percent. Yeah, your son is eighty pounds. I mean, like. I mean, to be honest with you, all the clues are there for that because you know he doesn't speak, so yeah, he just hasn't learned to yet. Um, no, exactly. Like, I, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. Not to not to like belabor the ship metaphor, but I'm gonna I'm gonna ride that one to the bottom of the ocean. I'm I'm convinced <laughs> they're the same person until proven otherwise. All right, fair enough. Uh, okay, Ada. Ada is washing her brother Cresta. Uh, yes. Talking about the boy. Ada knows mm. an awful lot on this ship. Yes, she's a mm, she's aware of a lot. She seems like exposition central. This girl. Yeah, battle <laughs> exposition. Yeah. It, yeah. Yeah, but it's um. It's it's a bit of like kind of character building here, like with uh, um, Ada, what like broaching the subject of wanting to go to school to become a doctor, mm-hmm. um, and like the reality of her family situation being confirmed, which is, you know, it's just it's just kind of like rounding out her character before maybe something bad happens to her at the end of this episode, and we want to they, they want to have you on side with the character and feeling sympathetic for her before that happens. Yeah, because we all know, like you know, you, you don't get free empathy when you kill a kid in the show. You need no. to build them up. People, when people no. when they see kids getting killed, never care about it. Really, it's only when you no. actually hear them talking to their brother that you build that empathy for them. Um, yeah. So, anyways, I felt I would have felt nothing for her had it not been, <laughs> had it not been for this scene. So, uh, so basically, uh, they, you know, uh, Cresta then just says, "I'll go on annoy Tova for a while." So off, off she pops. In comes Angel. Um, yeah. You're a very difficult man to find, he says. Uh, and he gifts him his little cigarette box. Yes. Um, Not a great gift, which is I'm very... going to be honest with you. I mean, it's very ornate. It's, it's probably, probably the worth money, thing. is it? Yeah, Yeah, it's probably it's probably the nicest thing Cresta briefly owns yeah. um, before, yeah, yeah. before Tova comes in and ruins it. But um, yeah, Angel has, has, has learned Cresta's name, yes. um, which is going to make him easier to find, one would assume, in future. Mm-hmm. But um, but yeah, there is a certain element of like the upper classes feeling like uh, they can take what they want from anyone from like a lower social strata yeah. than them here, which is yeah very interesting. I, Angel's there's, there's a couple of characters um, in this episode, Angel being one, um, and Lucian being the other, who kind of are in like a race to see who can be the biggest shit, um, <laughs> which I, I'm interested to see 
how that unfolds because they're they're neck and neck at the moment in this episode. <laughs> I think. Yeah, fair enough. Okay, you've said all uh, all you need to there. The only thing, other thing is that Tova does come in, sort of she spoils does. the party. Cresta hides the little box for now, but she says this to Cresta. She says, "You swore to me, Cresta." Mm. What do you think that means? Yeah. So. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I guess like the obvious answer is like not to act on his sexual urges, like maybe he's gay or bi as well. But to be honest, like looking at the interactions between Cresta and Angel up to this point, I can't yet tell like how receptive Cresta is to mm. Angel's advances. Like he seems to tolerate it, but I don't, I would, don't know if I'd say he is actively interested and maybe it's based on like the power dynamic of their classes it might be genuine interest and he's just like kind of a bit more nervous but yeah i i guess the obvious answer is uh, that you know his sister knows that he's he's gay or bi or or, or whatever and um and uh, for some reason he's promised not to act on those urges mm-hmm. although i don't i don't know why yeah it's a, it's a very like kind of it's a very mysterious State. They're very religious, I've, aren't they? So they are very religious. That, yeah, that so would I guess sort it of could imply be... that yeah, it, like you know, eighteen ninety nine, very religious family, you know, promised you know to 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 respect God from now on. I thought you know, what I mean, yeah, I guess I'd like uh, uh, that definitely checks out. I, I I suppose it's more like she doesn't necessarily seem super religious. Like I feel like her mum and dad. Uh, are the ones who've been really presented as like the religious, the, the hyper religious ones, but maybe we just haven't seen enough of Tovi yet to get a sense of that. But I think as well at, at that time, the idea of being gay That's true, yeah, yeah. or by like, even even if you weren't religious, the world was so ingrained with that religion or that or that sort of moral framework that they they would have potentially, you know, tried to make someone stop doing that, even if. Even if they weren't that religious themselves, maybe that is. Yeah, it's probably it's probably going to be a scandal at the very least, yeah. which uh, the family don't want. So yeah, it probably just is that. Uh, I'm I'm probably just overthinking it to be honest. Okay, so um, we get Ike and Conor McGregor again here. Now Conor McGregor, yeah, I think, you know, we'll keep with the Conor McGregor, but the character's <laughs> name is Sebastian. Just to let, I know there's someone ready to type there. Um, so <laughs> yeah. there's someone. You know, I'm a YouTube, uh, I'm a YouTube viewer myself. I know the urge. I know the urge to type. Yeah, uh, just settle down. Settle, all right. Settle. We know the name. Yeah. I don't actually. I've literally never written that name down. Have you forgotten it already? What was it? Sebastian. Oh, he got us. He got us. I had to think for a second though. Yeah, maybe this is actually an allegory to uh, what do you call it, Little Mermaid. But anyway, um, Little Mermaid. Yeah. So uh, okay, so. It's talking about like the idea that they, this is sort of mentioning a couple of things like the ships have been bought uh, yes. by English, but they kept half the, the crew German. Did you notice? Yeah. Very- yeah. So they were sold to an English company mm. a couple of months ago, but they kept the German crew, which they were like kind of grateful for. Mm-hmm. And they say they're half empty in terms of passengers. They have no freight, which obviously means they're not generating any profit. Mm-hmm. And the, the big question kind of underpinning this whole scene is why are these ships running if they are generating no profit? Now, that's a good question, but based on... And I, I'm sure that will be kind of addressed in the context of what is happening on these ships. Yeah. But with my with my theory of this kind of all happening on like a it, within a memory or a dream or something like that, I think this is misdirection. I think this is them... I think this is the writers being like, we're going to make you think about these things, which are, you know, issues for the crew, mm-hmm. but it's a, it's a, it's an attempt at distraction from the fact that 
maybe none of this is actually happening the way it or maybe none of this happened the way it is happening here because this is all being constructed within the minds okay. of the people whose dream or memory memory it is that's my like where when whenever they started talking like this i was like come on you're gonna have to yeah. wake up a little <laughs> earlier than that to catch old conrad out with this <laughs> with this kind of misdirection yeah who cares about the freight yeah okay. yeah exactly all right yeah. fair enough all right okay i see where your brain's going i'm liking it i'm liking it uh we do find out now this is the biggest revelation for me in this episode forget about what happens at the very end forget about the beetle and ava the biggest revelation for me is that lucian is a weeaboo yeah he loves japan <laughs> like <laughs> he caught I, a few um... episodes of dragon ball z as a kid he couldn't get enough yeah who didn't yeah. who didn't um but well, I, I mean, we say that, he, but at the same time, you know, he can't tell the difference between. Admittedly, she's in you know quite heavy makeup, uh, dressed as a geisha and all that. But he can't tell the difference between a Japanese woman and a Chinese woman apparently because he like just takes at face value that she is Japanese. Well, yeah, um, obviously we know because at the time he would have not been exposed, you know, all that sort of thing. But it, it is it is funny because he loves Japanese culture so much. Yeah, that he's probably he's yeah, probably like, never really seen a Japanese person in real life. He has only no, ever read about he's just, them. He's books. just seen like Madame Butterfly. Well, I don't think Madame Butterfly was actually written at this point, but like yeah, he's seen some some horror horrifically orientalist stage play and it's like that place seems good yeah they've got paper walls um but it turns out he was he was probably flirting with her which i, I like when i first like saw this i was like oh it's nice that someone's being nice to uh to ling Yi, even though um you know lucian seems like he might be a bit of a dick and then it only lasts for about 30 seconds before it's like oh i think he's flirting with her actually this is uh yeah okay it's not this character is not a, it has very few redeeming qualities by the look of things yeah yeah okay um mrs wilson you mentioned her earlier she comes in yeah uh, well yukja first of all who seems to be lingyi's servant takes lingyi away uh you uh then mrs um wilson comes in and basically offers lingyi to to lucian and lucian here mm. sort of uh, he first of all thinks that it's mrs wilson offering herself he does very, yeah which very, is a bit presumptuous and i thought it was very rude to be honest with you his response yeah it was but it was funny this because i did kind of like joke about how like mrs wilson was maybe like a human trafficker in the last episode <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah, then yeah, in this yeah. one is like oh maybe she actually is a human trafficker because she's sort of you know offering up ling yi to maybe pay for her passage or something like that like she's willing to sell her out um well i will say yeah, i will say when you when you said that last week uh, i did think to myself like if based on what happens in this episode if you did put that in the theory matrix i was like i was like he probably could argue with me later about that one you know what i mean well yeah it's, it's not in there at the moment but again that's one that we could retrospect we'll, we'll, retrospect we'll, we'll, yeah yeah well maybe like, we'll see how i'm doing on the points yeah by the end of the season, <laughs> see if i need the score but um yeah so it's, it's very very uh callous though and um this is the point where i was like maybe the fact that mrs wilson is so familiar well okay no there's actually there's two things here that made me think this um the this being that mrs wilson is in a similar position to daniel where maybe she is inside the thought experiment or the memory experiment but she is also complicit in the conducting of the experiment like she's present in the in the the waking world as well and the reason i thought that was in the first episode obviously there's the weird moment where she drinks from a teacup and everyone else drinks from a teacup yeah. that is completely unaddressed and completely unexplained and i'm sure will make sense at some point down it down the line but to me implies that she has some control over 
all the other people on this ship and kind of i guess following on from that is that she is in the know about a lot of things that uh, a lot of the goings on of the passengers of this ship in a way that is believable like maybe she's just a bit of a busybody and she like catches gossip and stuff like that but i think is actually speaking of a a a greater knowledge of the people who are involved in this experiment like she knows as the, the the french couple uh lucian and is it clemence, clemence uh, yeah, yeah uh, he knows that they're having marital problems and he knows about lingy as uh, lingy's masquerade as a, a japanese geisha um so yeah I, I think she might be in a similar position to daniel where she's she's more than she seems okay all right um interesting to me uh, there's also another fellow who seems to be more than he seems maybe <laughs> yeah and that's jerome uh Jer- oh, yeah. jerome sneaks into the french people's room it is interesting mm. to note that uh, the french room is for all those uh, number files out there 2101 uh 2101 not binary of course but uh binary? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but uh 2101 uh leaves leaves a medal there and then hides hides under the bed when Clemence comes back. It's, eventually, gets out. Yeah, so he leaves. Uh, I think it's the Legion of Honor is what that medal's called. It's like the French equivalent of like the uh, Medal of Purple Honor Heart. in the US, or like the, or like the Victor. Uh, no, the Purple Hearts for getting injured. Like the Medal of oh, Honor okay. is is like the highest distinction you can get, and then it's like the Victoria Cross in the UK, basically like the highest highest distinction. Yeah, Victoria but, Cross, um, yeah, yeah. yeah, so it's it's called the Legion of Honor, um, which means that either he or Lucian has performed some act of military heroism and now this is this is actually i I didn't really think about it when when it happened but given you've mentioned sort of tropey storytelling um or tropey devices earlier on this is a bit of a trope like because the the sort of the the storyline of one character seeking out another to return a medal particularly a prestigious one is kind of shorthand for oh these two served together and parted company on traumatic terms and this one has sought revenge or some kind of uh, you know so, some kind of absolution and this is this is the representation of it like i don't i don't hate it because you know it's it's like got that layer of abstraction because it's a french medal and we don't necessarily know exactly what it means unless you're familiar with french military medals but i feel like this this is quite a common storytelling technique for this kind of this kind of um character drama that we're going to get here but um okay i don't mind it too much and i think it uh, like my assumption is that lucian was in command of jerome during some military action and like abandoned him or otherwise displayed some cowardice um that jerome is seeking to write and i i actually looked it up because i was like i'm pretty sure the boxer rebellion happened at some point around um around this time which was like a rebellion in china that a bunch of uh european powers being the colonial nightmares that they were were like oh no we're not having that thank you very much and uh and went and like, <laughs> like quite brutally put that down so i actually i did look it up and the boxer rebellion did happen in 1899 in northern china so i was uh, i saw that and i was like okay i'm fairly sure that they were serving together during the boxer rebellion or something like that so that's that's a theory i've got as well okay i just i'm gonna sort of rein you in a bit there conrad because in the past you have went very specific i'm just gonna let the audience know i am gonna give you that if it does come to pass that they were served together that counts as a point all right let's forget about the specific (laughs) war 
I think I might have put them as separate. I put them as separate theories. So you're all right. Okay. okay I've got okay. they. I've got they served together, and then they fought together in the Boxer Rebellion. So like, so I've double. I've double dipped okay. on that theory, which may end up by coming back to bite me. Yeah, it could be the a Boxer double Rebellion loss. Is never mentioned. Yeah. yeah, double loss. Yeah. Right. Okay. So uh, the next scene is the crew discussing the fact that they should have got rid of or replaced the captain uh, earlier on. Uh, they think he's sort of losing his marbles. Basically, uh, they sort of well. Franz anyway who's the guy who was in Dark season 3 um, yeah he, John Moxley yeah yeah, John Moxley he th- he seems to empathise a bit with the with the captain and say like you know anyone who went through something like he went through uh, sh- you know shouldn't be able to, to you know come back to work you know pr- should have should have been replaced um, so we see yeah. the, the, the the beginnings of the crew maybe losing a bit of faith yeah um, I think they really want you throughout this episode and certainly by the end of this episode they want you to have a feeling that both the crew and the passengers have completely turned on ike and he's maybe not long for his position as captain okay all right interesting um talking of ike we're up to his vision now so i say vision i don't even know what it is sort of an experience we'll call it the experience uh yeah the ike family experience that's what it is yeah yeah yeah. i'll call it an adventure um to quote we bought a zoo uh you know it's an adventure now it always was. Uh, okay, so <laughs> so Ike um, starts seeing the visions again. Goes, opens the door. Sort of when he walks through the door, he's now in um, his uh, family home. The song mm. is there again. This is the point with the lyrics. Uh, did you did you write down those other lyrics? Um, his daughter singing the song. I didn't. I didn't write them down, but I got the dress, the gist it's of them. Which a, seemed to me like about work and work is futile. I didn't really actually write them down either, but um, it was nice. Um, so they're Very they're about symbolic. like the mi- like thoughts being free and like mm-hmm. minds tearing down walls and stuff like that, which is what made me think, based on my uh, admittedly not not great German skills, that this was a verse that they wrote for the show as opposed to the first verse we heard earlier, which sounded a lot more like a nursery rhyme with hunters and and you know people. people yeah, so maybe they they changed things. the lyrics to fit the show and they're the same tune as the as the as the nursery rhyme. Yeah, that was my thinking. I could be completely wrong. Maybe it's just a weird second verse, but um that was my thought. One thing I did notice here as well that I thought was really interesting talking about um elements of the score that are maybe used to convey certain things happening is that as soon as Ike kind of crosses the threshold of the creepily opening mm-hmm. door and tr- transports himself to this memory there's like a sound of like electric like electricity arcing or like static um which sounds like to me was like okay i feel like i feel like all of these sounds there's a lot of them in this episode i'm sure there was a lot in the first episode that i just missed and i'm starting to pick up on them in this episode but i feel like all of these sounds are the kind of thing where i'm gonna look back maybe at the end of the first season on these and be like okay every time there was an instance of this happening something was happening to their sleeping body in the waking world or something like that like so like they're having like electro electrotherapy or something you know they're having electricity pass mm-hmm. through their body to or their brain to stimulate a thought or something along those lines because it just it was really pronounced and it didn't happen again at all in this episode so it seemed important yeah awesome yeah yeah and i know i know what you mean like you, there's a lot of different sounds sort of even sometimes the sounds now you know again what i'm going to say here i don't mean to make make a hint either way okay but i thought some of the sounds even in the trailers uh, were like almost paranormal you know what i mean like a sort of yeah. otherworldliness to them uh, that they're I- trying to get you thinking there um okay so um vision i assume vision mm. i don't know 
um, adventure. Uh, he goes in there. His family burns to death again. He's now standing in his uh, burnt house. A little beetle appears for him. He follows it up the chimney, and he climbs yep. up a shaft and into his room. There's a little hatch under his bed. <laughs> yes. So Okay, so... Well, okay, actually, there's two points I want to make here about the sort of end of this scene with, with his family burning and then the, the passage. Actually, it's more to do with the conversation he has with Nina. So I can't find an answer in my head as to why Nina is the only child he seems truly heartbroken to have lost. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe this is going to be visited... Maybe it's, it's going to be expanded on and he's going to talk about his other daughter's later but there are two other children in this room and we don't even know their names and he doesn't even look at them like, it's, like maybe he just didn't like them that's a possibility as well like, nina nina was the apple of his eye the other two were all right it was like well, whatever you know I, I don't care so that's it that's something i'm definitely keeping an eye on because it's interesting um the other thing that i have to point out here because it would be remiss of me not to is that uh, as anthony has pointed out i'm liable to occasionally go on really deep dives into things (laughs) that are completely incorrect and i feel i feel like it's important for me to own up when this happens and in in the in the sequence where he's talking to nina and uh, nina's talking about her mum and says the dreams are back you have to let them go um, talking about talking about Ike, and if you're lucky, he'll wash back into your arms for the next tide. But I completely misinterpreted that sentence as if she was talking about a third or no, a fourth child. Like she was telling Ike, you have to let them go. You're, and if you're lucky, he'll wash back into your arms with the next tide. And I was like, oh, he's got a son that he hasn't mentioned. <laughs> and I, I went, I literally paused the, the episode and was like writing things down for like ten minutes, and then watched like press play and like rewound a bit and watched it again i was like oh no she was just talking about that the the them in this was ike and they were talking about him being washed back into his wife's <laughs> so a complete waste of everyone's time <laughs> well no just was. your time really uh i didn't well that's true didn't, 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 i've wasted everyone's time now by regaling them with it <laughs> i know they're enjoying it Connor. don't worry yeah. um yeah okay fair enough uh and what was your thoughts on on the on the little shaft is it yeah uh so that's definitely not real is my is my like that's not in the boat there's just no way there's just no way and like the whole the whole beatles situation as well the whistle starts playing towards the end of this scene as well as he's like emerging through the shaft mm-hmm. back into his bedroom um yeah it's just it, it's 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 got the pyramid icon on it, which, you know, it turns up in a lot of places, the little kind of upside-down pyramid with its its tip submerged in the ground. Um, well, there's, there's, it's, it's 2D, so it's triangle, but okay. All right, triangle. Okay, I mean, listen, <laughs> I'm assuming the, the triangle icon has something to do with the weird obsidian pyramid. Call me crazy, but, like, I feel like maybe they have something to do with it. I don't see the connection. <laughs> yeah. imagine if there was none imagine if it was completely separate yeah. <laughs> okay so uh yeah so you think that's not real fair enough um maybe at a later date uh i don't really want to do it just this episode but at a later date i might pin you down a little bit more in terms of the specifics of what you mean by that um obviously you think it's not in the boat that's i think it's fair enough to say that there isn't a forest uh in a boat uh it's in the forest floor yeah the forest <laughs> Yeah. It's between it's between where the Danish people are and where the rich people are. There's like a whole a whole like arboreum of just trees within the ship's hull. Uh, that's brilliant. Like, uh, right, <laughs> okay, Mora and the boy again. Um, mm. They are in. 
Oh, this is really interesting, actually. So basically, um, Maura's telling the, one of the most horrific stories I've ever heard in my life uh, about her father um, leaving her in a forest. And then yeah. whenever, it, then in the morning, he comes and gets her and she finds out that actually he meant to do it. Um, but that didn't annoy her. That, uh, that It didn't annoy her that he actually left her there. It annoyed her that she, she was being watched when she thought she wasn't. Yeah, so I mean, there's definitely a metaphor here for what is currently going on on the ship. I think, like you know, it's it's more or less the same thing. Um, it's also telling that uh, she reveals that he did it with her older brother Henry before her as well, um, which is oh no, wait no, Henry isn't her brother. We've had this discussion already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah. She, she did it with her. <laughs> she did it. He, he did it with her older brother before as well. Is what she says. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God damn. I've written Henry in brackets there. I've done myself. Get rid of that. Um, it is horrific, and I think it's it, it. This is kind of underlining something that I. I think the audience probably already suspects at this point, which is that her dad, who had her dragged away and seemingly forcibly put to sleep for whatever he's up to in the first episode, probably isn't a great dad. He's probably not. <laughs> he's probably not a great guy either. So uh, yeah, I I, I think uh, this is this is just reminding us of that yeah okay um and then uh we see that he's got a little tattoo yeah uh, that symbol's back again the little the little <laughs> triangle with the line um and then he she tries to touch it and he grabs her arm and then does like the finger over the lips uh be quiet yeah i so i don't know what's up with that i don't know why he's not talking i i'd like that i've got some really like kind of left field that are pretty much baseless theories about how like i don't know maybe there's like code words or something like if you say a certain thing then you will like wake up or or something along those lines and that's why he doesn't speak it's still it's still very nebulous and unformed in my head okay. but i feel like this boy can speak and isn't because of because of something like that okay uh fair enough uh ike completely rips into the room shelves him up against the wall and demands <laughs> yeah. to know um all very normal behavior but what, what i'll say is uh, we've actually actually i wanted to in particular mention andreas peachman in that scene with his daughter uh where just before she goes on fire the acting oh the acting the tears he gets a lot he gets a lot uh, yeah i mean he goes from uh, like that phenomenal scene of him you know weeping as he as he talks to nina and then just like the like rage um as he as he pins this boy up against the wall um and and you know essentially like in so many words threatens him mm -hmm. um unless he unless he gives him the information he wants yeah it's, it's, it's a great a great range of emotions from uh, from old andreas in this episode yep it is uh i think yeah he's just brilliant he's just absolutely fantastic yeah. um he also feels completely different than he did in dark in dark he, yes. he's, he he's 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 got a range he's got a range uh okay so um basically the only little bit we haven't really talked about yet in this uh in this corridor scene, I suppose is Daniel just mentions that Moore is an Irish name, but she isn't Irish, and she's like, "Yeah, correct," and then walks into a room. <laughs> yeah. um, and I, th I think this is actually where he makes the eyes at the boy as well. It, makes it eyes is, at yeah, yeah. We've talked about that. Already, yeah. um, one thing I will mention very briefly for this is that this was the moment where I I, I made a theory last week that um, that Daniel was part of the crew of the Prometheus because he's wearing like similar clothes. Mm -hmm. But actually, looking at it, I don't think it is the same like 
I don't think it is a cruise uniform. It looks slightly different. Um, so I'm not. Yeah, I've, I've actually marked that one as wrong now. Although um, I'm happy to recant that should it turn out. I mean, you need to have some wrong. Let's be honest. So I'm not gonna. I'm yeah. Not, yeah. Um, gotta have some red. Yeah. So based on the uniform, maybe not. But we'll find out later on. Uh, what 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 that is. Uh, okay. So um, some Jerome and Clement stuff now. They yeah. again a second people in this episode who we've had say. Uh, you know, I feel like I've maybe seen you before. Um, mm. They meant they, they they sort of introduce each other. They talk about birds being in their own prison because they can't stop being themselves. Um, yeah, lots of symbolism trapped going in, on. Trapped in who you are, I mm-hmm. think, is going to be a recurring theme um, of 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 this show, potentially for characters we haven't even met yet. I'm sure when Anton Lesser's character comes to the fore and maybe tries to excuse the things that he's done to his children he, that that will return as like just who i am you know i'm just a, i'm just this kind of bastard um but uh but yeah a theme i'm sure will return and there is a bit of a free song bit of a bit of uh chemistry should we say between uh jerome and clement which is interesting considering but, that uh he was in their room earlier and uh yeah uh, and like left the medal there. Um, yeah. So the, he saw a feet, and he was like, "Get a look at, look, get a look at those ankles." Yeah, and that was one. that was enough for Jerome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, very romantic man. But uh, all right, mm. so there's a few little things here. We'll sort of skip by because we are going quite long here. Uh, Jerome gets beaten. Um, yeah, knows how to fight based on the number of crewmen he's able to. I mean, he, to yeah, tussle he, he with. does. He actually does hold his own there for a while, doesn't he? Um, yeah. We get a tiny little scene of Ramiro waking up and looking sad. Um, yeah. And then... It, it, like, it comes back a bit later, to be honest. Yeah, like, no, like, no, a no, few no, seconds no. later. But because we're going through bit by bit, it's, it's I have to mention it. Um, yeah, and then, that's a scene. Yeah, it's, it counts. It's scene, yeah. uh, <laughs> then Tova... Tova doesn't like Cressa's new little box. Um, asks him why he accepted it and says that they... Assuming it means like rich people always want something in return. Yeah, so... Um, I am going to assume, based on absolutely nothing, but the, you know the fact that she says you you of all people should know that makes me think that maybe he his like facial scar is something to do with that. Like, and you know he was he was I don't know got involved in in, in like some kind of romance with a rich person, and they turned mm. out to be a real piece of shit who like scarred him for something that for trying to break it off or something like that it's completely baseless but i think that's 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 gone in the theory matrix okay uh interesting really cool uh next scene we get back to ramiro and ramiro and angel give us a big surprise not only not only is ramiro not a priest ramiro is also not spanish actually portuguese and it's a portuguese servant i believe and then yeah he's a portuguese servant who also now i don't know if they're actually I don't know if they're like in a relationship, so to speak, but they're at least partners in some way. Um, yeah, you know, they're definitely they're definitely not opposed yeah. to that kind of relationship. Yeah, 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 relationship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So based on how things go down here, we get a bit of angry sex. Yeah, so they they they, they enjoy each other's company. Oh, or do they? They they sort of enjoy com- each other's company for a bit. Um, still afraid of the police. I'll also mention. Did you see that coming? Yeah. By the way, the fact that uh, they're, they're lovers. No, I didn't see the lovers thing coming, to be honest. But it was definitely like, well, these two definitely aren't who they claim to be, and like the fact that they were so scared mm-hmm. about turning around. Although, admittedly, everyone's kind of scared about going back to where they came from. But they did seem like they maybe were on the run 
from from something um but uh, yeah that that bit certainly caught me off guard as did uh, ramiro being portuguese i'm sure anyone like who's spanish speaking or portuguese speaking would have spotted an accent a mile off between those two but i i didn't well i personally knew he was portuguese from the start because um uh the actor is portuguese and, and like, so i oh, okay. making my videos and all leading up to it i was like i don't really think they would have cast a portuguese actor to play a spanish brother so i don't know i just saw it coming also um i will say as well that uh that yeah i can't remember what i was gonna say so okay so next up we're in uh i oh no i was gonna say actually yes my question to you is how do you see this revelation uh does that affect your um understanding or your sort of speculations about the whole angel cresta situation do you view angel slightly differently than you did before uh, what do you think no not really like i think i think this is if anything his relationship with romero seems to kind of mirror his relationship with cresta mm. in that you know if he is indeed a portuguese servant then romero and cresta are of similar social classes um and it's maybe sex is about power as much as it is about the actual act of sex for angel uh, uh, um and and that would and he and he bears that out in the fact that he seeks out people who are either reliant on him for employment or otherwise you know he, he wants people to be dependent on him because he enjoys having power over them that's the that's the impression i get from him and obviously you know crest is the next in line bit of the power of the dog about the man um hopefully we don't see a banjo right okay so ike's quarters uh mm. um we've got the black tile hole i'm calling it uh yeah. we've got weirdly the tunnel that is definitely there seems to have sealed up magically <laughs> by itself yeah, yeah, yeah as if as if it doesn't exist um the i i didn't mention this last time okay. because i i wanted to wanted to say this now but like the 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 actual design of the tunnel itself it's this very mm. like reflective yeah uh brickwork which to me seems like a pretty clear visual metaphor for this being a descent into his own memory mm. or something you know it's it's uh it's a visualization of introspection because he's literally having to look back at himself um mm. in the in the mi- sort of almost mirrored brickwork that that is uh that makes up the tunnel yeah yeah and like yeah i agree with that completely and it's actually i actually really love the look of it because it's actually yeah. It's almost in a way so different as well obviously very different than the rest of the boat mm. um but that that sort of juxtaposition really works for me uh it doesn't actually yeah you know i'm i'm gonna say conrad that it could be there it could be there could, there could be a forest in not, the boat but it could be <laughs> <laughs> like, it, it, could, it could be there that's true yeah, yeah maybe they maybe they just that maybe that's why the fucking prometheus sank because they were like we've got all these bricks on board who did this like, yeah, yeah. like why are there all these brick tunnels <laughs> right okay so uh we've got um the uh Olic now coming up and saying only got two stores of uh, coal left yeah, this, not looking good on the fuel front. Yeah, and then they start to say, assemble in the dining room. We get a <laughs> a random English crew member saying, of course, with a bloody German running the ship. Yeah, a little bit of racism. A little, yeah, bit, a little bit of bigotry, anti-German sentiment. Bigotry, yeah. Um, oh, bigotry, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so a little bit of bigotry there. Um, so then uh, Maura sort of leaves the boy um, in, in the room. Off she goes to the uh, assembly uh, or the dining hall. Um Angel and Ramiro, like this is the part where sort of we, we sort of talked about both of those scenes in one. They sort of start yeah. to get it on. Um, okay, so Daniel, while they're assembling, 
it seemed to be starting to assemble in the in the in the in the uh, the room or the what do you call that the dining room. Uh, da- dining room Daniel, yeah. as I, I'm going to use your terminology because I love it so much. Daniel <laughs> deploys the beetle. Uh, yep. um, Ada follows the beetle all mm. the way to Daniel, and then yep. Daniel says, "I'm so sorry," and he does look like he means it. Yep. And then we don't know what happens, but basically, the next time we see Ada, she's 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 lying on the floor, not looking the best. No, she doesn't look great. Yeah. And I'm gonna I'm gonna say she's dead. Um we so we, we cut to him from him saying I'm so sorry to Ava gulping and there's this weird sound of like kind of mechanical whirring and clicking. Like it it's not clear based on the from the end of this episode how he has killed Ava. Um Ada. but it didn't Oh sorry, Ada. I will get it right eventually. Don't oh, listen, worry. listen, I've I've seen it all, Conrad. I've watched it all twice now. I'm I'm here to help you, alright? I'm guiding you <laughs> through this thing, Conrad. I've written Ava four times in this, this these two sentences. Here, I mean, so we're listening to about Ava. seven different languages. Uh, I think some syllables are going to be misheard here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, but so, uh, w- uh, it's not clear how he killed her. Yeah. And But that sound, maybe, I don't know, maybe it's just a weird little sound they throw in to kind of end the scene. But the fact he says, I'm so sorry, this, this goes back to my theory about Daniel is operating on instructions, I think. Like, he has a part to play in this whole string of events and he is playing it but he's very guilty about it and 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 uh baron brody and odar and yonch freeze have played with this idea of someone kind of unwillingly going along with a predestined plan because they have to do it uh they've played with that before and i think this is going to be another example of one of those kind of characters i think they're on the face of it they're setting daniel up as this if not antagonist, then definitely a force for evil in this show. But I don't think it's I don't think it's quite as black and white as as it might seem based on what he does in this one. Okay, interesting. Yeah, because it is it is a theme that these uh, creators have drawn on in the past to create success. So let's see if they have an original yeah. take on it. If that is where they go. Um, so Ike announces not only did he announce that they were going to go to visit the Prometheus, which no one wanted him to do, he's now saying yeah. that he's going to turn the ship around. Yeah, because he's closer to the UK or Europe uh, than he is to America, which yeah, they've still got too far to go, and he's going to tow the Prometheus back as well, which is like, you're not winning any friends here, like yeah. I've got to be honest with you. What's interesting to me is like I'm I'm not a nautical man. Uh, I have nothing. I've no, I, you know, I have no idea about ships at all. Um, I didn't actually. It would be interesting to see. I never have. I never done this. Look at the maps because we do see where the boats are on the maps. Last episode, mm. is is it true that that Europe is closer? Because it did actually look to me like the the, the points were close enough to a landmass. Uh, yeah, I I I definitely felt like in that first map, like North America wasn't that far away. Yeah, unless obviously obviously they do the whole going up the Atlantic Ocean and down again because it's quicker that way because. Because, like, you know, the globe is, is it's a globe, you know what I mean? So, therefore, yeah. it's yeah, yeah. the path a boat or a plane would take is not the one you think it would. So, therefore, yeah. like, that's what I'm saying. I'm not a nautical man. I have no idea what's which way is quicker. Maybe as well. If it, you know a sailor, yeah. get in touch. <laughs> get in touch. And we can uh, find out. <laughs> maybe, maybe it's also like the way the tide's going as well would make it quicker. I, I have no idea. Sure. Something to do with the moon. That's probably that's probably in play as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. The, the moon, the tides, <laughs> all this sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, okay, so. Um, also, I wanted to mention here when they're in the dining room, and he mentions that uh, he mentions that they turned the ship around. Obviously, everyone's against this. Um, mm. uh, Virginia, uh, 
speaks very highly against this. Uh, by the way, that's Mrs. Wilson's name. Uh, we find that out later. Oh, okay. It's not a spoiler. I just accidentally said it, but it's not a spoiler. <laughs> it's like, okay. please, 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 don't shoot me. <laughs> You've done it now, Anthony. The whole <laughs> yeah. thing's been unraveled. It's funny that they didn't actually, because before the show came out, her name was like Virginia on on everything. Like they they put posters out of people, right? And her name was Virginia on the posters. And then as soon as the show starts, she's known as Mrs. Wilson, and you don't f- actually hear her name for like six episodes. I'm like, is this a spoiler? <laughs> is this a spoiler? Like yeah. all the posters had her name on it. Uh, anyway, okay, so it's Virginia Wilson. Um, so, okay, that's good to know. So uh, okay, so anyway, um, yeah. So I thought it was funny that Daniel like creepily appears behind Mora during this. After yeah, he kind of looms in yeah. <laughs> in a way that I didn't really like. Like he's sort of like you know you get those drunk guys at like nightclubs who are trying to like seduce women, oh, and they kind of just like oh, I'm gonna dance him here, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like kind of, and, it, and it's like no one wants you here, Daniel. All right, just settle, <laughs> just settle down, get out of Mora's personal space, please. Yeah, especially after you've just like killed a girl, like you know, let's let's yeah. let's. He's still got the stench of death upon him. <laughs> yeah. Um. All right. So Mora and Ike, uh, Ike reveals his letter. Um. Inside the letter had a picture of his family. It also had the newspaper clipping. Um. Yes. That Mora had yeah. been reading. I don't think we actually had confirmation that that was in Mora's uh, letter, but it makes sense, I suppose. I, I don't think we ever saw that in her envelope, but I suppose it makes sense if you were to, to deduce that she got that newspaper clipping too in the in, in the letter. I don't know. Or oh, well, or that Henry did, and she intercepted. Yeah, it yeah, somehow. yeah, exactly. Well, whatever the the, um, the letter she has, I mean, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. I I think my assumption is that it's got the newspaper clipping in it as well, because otherwise, how what would lead her to? this shipping company and the Kerberos and, and, and eventually the Prometheus like you know it could if you just get got a letter mm-hmm. being like come to New York and like that wouldn't that, there's a lot of ways that could happen you know yeah. like, it's not like, it's not it's not specific enough yeah uh, okay so then we get um, uh, Daniel and Mora again in, in the corridor Daniel mm-hmm. um, it's interesting actually because Mora sort of doesn't want to turn around wants to keep going obviously we know the, the motivation there to try and find the brother um but um daniel sort of it's almost like he's kind of implying that she should want to go back to europe because he because he he says like you know surely you have some family in europe you could you, you know you'd be happy to see and like stuff like this uh, what do you take from that um i, I mean i I've, i think daniel definitely knows more um about mora than she realizes mm-hmm. maybe knows more about her situation than even than, than you know than she, than she realizes um that that you know he's hinting at things that uh that maybe have yet to pass or that she's yet to find out that would be uh, like i i think every pretty much everything that he does in this episode i think is a catalyst for something else happening whether it be a personal realization on mora's part or something that will will transpire as a result of, of ada's death um so yeah i'm pretty much suspect of everything daniel does in this episode as being being motivated by some some unseen force at this point yeah let's be honest it's going to be pretty hard to turn this character back face let's see if they can do it because um he's just killed a little girl (laughs) she was asking for we didn't see the full she was a know-it-all that girl was a know-it-all yeah exactly we didn't see what happened at the end of that scene where she like punched him in the balls and then started calling him a bunch of anti-welsh slurs (laughs) like that was that that was she had it coming let's be honest all right okay yeah yeah. let's let's all be honest here um (laughs) okay so there's a couple of quick fire things before we get to the big reveal at the end so the first thing is that the crew are thinking about sinking the ship 
Yeah, and that I feel like mutiny is almost is on everyone's lips here. Like no one's saying it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. it's all, like there's some knowing glances where it's like, all right, go on three. We're all gonna say who we who if Ike was to fall overboard, who the new captain of the ship would be. That's yeah, what yeah, they're, yeah, they're yeah. kind of talking in terms of at the moment. Yeah, that is always they're waiting for the first person to to, to mention the M word. Um, okay, yeah. so then we also have um, Conor McGregor. Sebastian um, actually receives a triangular message. Yeah, what is what is going on there? Like, like, what, like that is not Morse code or whatever. However, they transmit. I, I guess that's Morse code. I actually don't know what would have been coming through that machine. We have normally. seen Whether Morse code it... coming through before. Like the coordinates. Yeah, so triangle, the coordinates came as far through, as I'm aware. Normal, yeah. yeah, so triangle isn't in the Morse code, I don't think. <laughs> dots um, and I'm lines, not an expert, yeah. <laughs> dots not an expert on Morse code. Yeah, dots and dashes. I don't think triangle's in it. So I don't know what's going on there. But he didn't seem... I mean, you only see a very brief glimpse of his face. But he didn't seem that confused by it. Like I know exactly what you mean. Like, if you... If you have a machine, which his job is to do one thing, and yeah. then magically or whatever starts to do something else, you would be yeah. pretty surprised by that. And yeah, he, like if it started spouting out like wingdings, you'd be yeah, like, "Wingdings, yeah, yeah." What's going on here? This is this machine isn't supposed to be able to do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, so very strange, very strange. Um, yeah. Any any thoughts on that? I don't know, like. The, the the pyramid or the triangle symbol is just so ever present in everything. Like it's in the carpet, it's in the French, uh, it's in Clemence's earrings. It it feels like it's a substitute for something, or maybe it's it's some kind of code that your kind of subconscious brain, when you're sleeping, can interpret as something else or or, or something along those lines. Because as I say, like. Conor McGregor didn't look surprised by it. He didn't look like he couldn't understand it. So, I guess he can read it. Like mm. is my is my assumption. Like, okay. and and you can't read triangles. You just can't do that. That's not a language. <laughs> yeah. So so, I I think it's it must be some some kind of like like language that speaks to the subconscious or something like that. That that uh, in this state he is able to understand. Okay. Uh, excellent. Uh, so two things left. Daniel has a picture of Mora. Yeah, he's got like a baseball card of her. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, a, yeah, yeah. A, the rookie a Mora card. Rookie, the, card. rookie card. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Eighteen ninety nine rookie year. Yeah, Should have <laughs> turned around to see the stats on the back. Yeah, I want to know what Mora's on base percentage is. That's my. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't matter anyway because that was in an era where only white people could play. So that's true. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so it doesn't count. It doesn't count. Yeah, Babe Ruth was a fraud. Anyway, so um, <laughs> so the last thing is they find Ada's body. They're very perturbed by it, and then Conrad. The moment everyone you would be you would be perturbed by it. This let's is be honest. yeah. This is the moment where anyone who couldn't be bothered listening to our whole podcast skipped to this moment to see your reaction yeah. to this. Um, I can already see the little YouTube uh, graph. This is where people are watching. So it's the we, money shot. We zoom out. As we zoom out, yep. we start to get a little bit of like a static or something on top of Ike's face, and then yep. the reveal: bang, a wall full of what you could only describe as monitors. Um, yeah. And maybe I think there's a bookcase on the left hand side. Yeah, there's a bookcase on the left, and it's like it's kind of period. Uh, wallpaper yeah, like yeah, i would yeah. place it in like mid- the 60s or maybe the very early 70s is what that that wallpaper was evocative of to me 
Um, yeah, so, okay. Uh, I, I don't think that's happening in 1899. It's point one. On my, <laughs> it's point, point one on my, on my list. Um, if it is, it's a pretty technologically advanced 1899 because oh. I don't think they had TVs for a while. <laughs> I think it was about 50, it was about 50 years before they had those. Um, so the people, I did pause it to see. So the people in the TV uh, screens, you've got uh, Mustache Adam Driver, Conor McGregor, Boy. Uh, I've written down Wilson. Who's Wilson? Mrs. Wilson. Oh, Mrs. Wilson. That's right. <laughs> I, was like, yeah. I watched Castaway recently, and I, I've <laughs> got that. Ball. Of my, of my, yeah. Wilson. <laughs> 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 Ling Yi's in there, uh, Jerome, Daniel, and Mora, and they're surrounding Ike. Yeah. So you've got. So uh, the the first thing that struck me is like those aren't the characters that I would have picked as being under ob- observation. Um, mm, okay. Particularly like uh, I mean Daniel, Mora, Ike, yes, but like Adam Driver, Conor McGregor, that those two. Yeah, they, they they don't feel like they are central to any of the goings on here. So yeah, I was really surprised by their inclusion. Okay. Um, but I guess this is telling us who is in this experiment, like who's under observation in whatever they're doing. Like uh, this is this, this building where these monitors are must be the same building that we saw Mora, uh, Mora and uh, and Anton Lesser in at the beginning of the first episode. Like okay. it's got to be. Um, because because where else is it going to be? Come on. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I guess these is it nine? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Yeah, these nine people. But if you're saying I this guess... is in the sixties and seventies, and you also have been referencing a lot about the idea that they are sort of reliving memories or something. That's a good point. How? How's? <laughs> how's like? I suppose like if I was to follow that train of thought and just be you for a second. Does that mean that where you know they're experimenting actually on like a ninety-year-old Mora? No, that the, the uh, that's a good point that I hadn't considered actually. I mm. guess maybe it's like mimetic legacy. Like you know how some people say like you can have like family memories passed yeah, yeah, down. Know, yeah. Like so maybe Mora is like living out her like I guess if it's the sixties, what would be like grandmother her grandmother's experiences or something along those lines mm. because this is just a, this is going to a complete out of left field guess but daniel's saying to mora your name's irish you're not irish and her being like no i'm not to me maybe feels like the woman that she's reliving the memories of was irish mm. and and but mora has or not Mora, um, the character playing, or no, how am I going to word this? The woman who is being projected into the memories of Mora is English and is her great granddaughter or granddaughter oh, or whatever. That's, I mean, that th- there's no real evidence for that, but maybe that little kind of like nugget of of uh, acknowledgement um, from Daniel and Mora could could mean something in this in 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 this context. I think that's really, actually really like that uh, because I have been thinking about that a little bit, not too much, but the line about the Irish name, I did feel that that was something, you know what I mean? Yeah. I think I, when I first saw it, maybe I thought, 
is Daniel trying to sort of put an idea in her mind? I don't really know what I thought at that time, but like, I, it did stand out to me that that was a bit interesting. You know what I mean? Well, anyway, there yeah, we go. No. There's episode uh, <laughs> episode two. Uh, we're, we're on we're on the road to crazy town here, Conrad. I think you can agree. Um, yes, I don't know what's going on, as evidenced by by my theories in this one. It's all over the place. It is. Yes. Uh, so. We don't talk about Dark too much on the, on, on the show, but if anyone's seen Dark, the sort of there's a reveal at the end of episode two of Dark as well, um, which sort of change, shifts the perspective. That was one of my theories before the uh, the show came out, was that at the end of episode two, we'd get a perspective-shifting uh, uh, reveal. Ching-ching, uh, mm. ding-ding, here we go. <laughs> quickly move into the conrad's theory matrix all right conrad off you go and read them out <laughs> okay <laughs> here we go lovely um so uh six theories this week i don't know if i mentioned one of them but uh the ribbon that ike found belonged to nina i wrote that down um pretty early on and it turned out to be correct so yeah that was that was kind of we'll, um, we'll get the adjudicators out to decide that one yeah we'll see we'll see if it was on the line or not um Ike is also in a similar situation to Mora and is having memories triggered by having that nursery rhyme played to him in the waking world. Okay. A little bit of detail there. Uh, Mrs. Wilson is complicit in Mora's father's experiment and has been inserted into this dream memory to guide the other subjects. Uh, Lucian... <laughs> this one is a bad one. <laughs> we <already laughs> talked about. Lucian was in command of a unit which contained Jerome and displayed some act of cowardice or otherwise abandoned him which led to Jerome receiving the Legion of Honour and Jerome now looking to right the wrong. <laughs> this is what I'm talking about, Conrad. I said, if you just put in that they would, like they served together, <laughs> that would be enough. That Imagine if enough. I got it right, though. If I get that one right, that's going to be unbelievable. What a pull. Oh, my um, God. Lucian and Jerome fought together in the Boxer Rebellion <laughs> based on nothing other than I looked up the date and it was like, oh, that happened in 1899. Um, and last one, Cresta was given his scar as something to do with Tove's disdain for rich people saying they always want something in return for gifts. Okay. Interesting. So those are the theories for this week. Yeah, and that some will, of them... I think that one there, that last one, is going to take some discussion to get the point whenever we get wherever we get. But uh, yeah. but yeah, thanks very much, Conrad. It's a great theory. So if my tally is correct, that's fourteen in total so far. Uh, fourteen in total. Yes. Jeez, see that math teacher. Um, we're cooking. Uh, yeah, we're cooking. Uh, right. Okay. <laughs> so we'll head straight on into Conrad's. Uh, I suppose I'm still calling them pre thoughts because it is pre episode three now, but uh, post pre thoughts. Off you go, Conrad. Hello there. Um, what an episode of 1899 that was. And what an episode of this review series with me and Anthony. Or, once again, apologies if it was a bad episode. I don't know. We haven't done it yet. I'll have a better idea in about 48 hours' time when we actually record it. So, um, yes, final thoughts for episode two uh, of season one, The Boy. Um, I'm more certain than ever that this is all some kind of memory experiment and the I think the nine people pictured in the TV screens um, at the end of the montage at the end of the episode are asleep and having their memories explored in the big mount, uh, mansion we see in the mountains during the opening of the first episode so I think that's where they are I think those nine people they seem important they're probably there um, Daniel seems very much like a force for evil 
by the end of this episode because he done murdered a little girl but I wonder whether he is being forced to do these things. He seems remorseful. So really interested to see where they go with Daniel's character. I'm sure we'll see more of him um, soon. Love the Ike stuff. Very creepy. Um, very, very like evocative. And it, it makes the character of Ike so much richer. Um, so that was great. Next episode, I'm just going to make some predictions. I've already made some in the main body that I'm not going to, uh, main body of the uh, episode with Anthony that I'm not going to go into here, but just some extra stuff. Um, I was completely wrong about getting more Oleg this episode. Um, we got a bit of Jerome, so that was a bad start. Next episode, I think we'll get more of the boy. Maybe he'll start speaking. Maybe he won't. Uh, more Daniel. I think they've got to give us some more Daniel and more Mora because they've kind of filled in a, a bits of Ike's trauma but we don't really know anything about more as yet so really interested to see that but uh but yeah another great episode really enjoyed it and i hope you did too and i look forward to seeing you all in the comments telling me how much of an idiot i am for all the things i got wrong in this episode so yes i will catch you next time <laughs>we go that's episode two done can't wait for episode three we're trying to get them out on a weekly basis uh sometimes they'll be you know a day early day late don't judge us on that there'll be plenty of other content as well go and check out my explain video go and check out my uh other theory videos go and check out my questions i want because i've actually seen the show conrad hasn't uh so conrad <laughs> give me a three word sum up of this episode three words come on on the spot here i put you um boy murders girl <laughs> I love it. I thought you. I thought you were gonna go the like the, the actual boy route because it's about the boy. But actually, you've, you've swerved us there, just like yeah. 1899 swerved us, and hopefully <laughs> we'll continue to swerve Conrad going forward. I'm really looking forward to keeping going through this show. So join us in the next one. But apart from that, goodbye. Goodbye.